thank you for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, both of which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. I'm joined today by my husband, Eric. Eric, thank you for joining. Of course, anytime. Happy to be here. So our goal for today is to make adulting a bit easier for our listening uh, listeners by discussing a personal finance topic, since managing money is a big part of adulting. Today, Eric and I are going to go through the steps you take when buying a home. Now, we're going to need you to buckle up because there are a lot of them. 20 to be exact. There are a lot. So, <laughs> Eric, this is based on really the house we just bought. Uh, yes. So I'm going to need your input is what I'm saying. So for everyone out there, buying a home, especially your first home, but buying any home really could be simultaneously the most exciting and the most stressful time in your life. One thing you can do is simply react to calls, emails, requests as they come in. But what I would prefer for you, what I would like to see for you is that you're more prepared than that. And that's really the point for today. So number one is to gather your personal and financial information. So you might be surprised how much money, how much money, <laughs> that's who, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> how much information your lender is going to need. So um, I recommend putting some information together in an electronic file so that you're ready to go. And this information will arm you to have an intelligent conversation with a lender. And you'll also be ready to go if you find a house you want to buy right away. I will say this was, uh, this was overwhelming for me. This house that we just bought was the first house I had ever actually bought. And uh, it was definitely overwhelming. Yeah, it was the first one you'd financed because we bought the duplex for cash. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Which is a totally, by the way, everyone, totally different buying experience. True. Good point. So, yeah. So this was Eric's Eric's first time. This was my third uh, financing a home. So I was a little bit more ready for that. I'm like, just prepare yourself because it's going to be crap. Um, so the first thing is proof of income for the last two years. So W-2s, 1099s, whatever. Also, your tax returns from the last two years, a picture of your driver's license, a picture of your social security card, your last at least two pay stubs, and be forewarned, you might be under contract for like 30 days, and you might need uh, those um, bank statements as well. Uh, I mean, your pay stubs. Also, your bank statements, especially the one that you're going to be making your down payment from, employment history, contact information for past employment, current employment, um, and a list, and you're going to need the values eventually of your assets and your liabilities because they're going to ask you those. Eric, is there anything that you'd add to that? Uh, no, other than it's just, it depends on your lender. The, the exact list is definitely different depending upon who you go with. Yeah, that's true. All right, so number two, speak to a lender. Most lenders are going to look for your total house payment to be less than 28% of your gross income. This includes principal, interest, taxes, insurance, PMI, and HOA fees as well. So let's just do a quick example. If you make $60,000 a year, that's going to be $5,000 gross monthly. A lender is going to look for your payment to be $1,400 or less, which again is 28% of $5,000. The lender will be able to tell you what the maximum purchase price of the house is to keep your payment lower than that. So the lender can also at that point discuss different loan options for you, FHA, conventional, etc., and help you decide which is best for you. They're also able to furnish pre-approval letters for you to submit along with any offers, which basically proves to the sellers that you have the financial ability to purchase the home. 
Ask the lender what they need, um, how much time they need from contract to close date. It's normally about 30 days, like I said, but just confirm it with them. Ask them about their lending fees and closing costs. And uh, just a caveat here, probably any good personal finance uh, passionate individual will tell you, just because you're approved for a certain loan amount, it does not mean, mean that you need to buy a house for that maximum price. If you are or want to be an aggressive saver, considering buying one for even half as much as you're approved for, that's pretty much what we did. Yeah, yeah, no, the same applies for automobiles. Yeah, cars for sure. <laughs> that You had that, right? The yeah. Car, the car thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When I first graduated college, you know, I had this vision for the car I wanted and I went and I got this nice big pre-approval letter uh, for a loan for an automobile of, I don't even know what it was, over $50,000 I was pre-approved for and I ended up getting the car for like 30000 being responsible. Yeah. And you paid it off really quickly, I which did. was good. That's the way to go. So I have a couple questions here. So yeah. pre-approval letter. Mm-hmm. We often hear pre-qual or qualification mm-hmm. letter what exactly is the difference between a pre-approval and a is it a pre-qual is that what it is? i think they're all the same thing are they yeah i'm pretty sure they're all the same thing and what that's going to say is um, they run your credit they look at your income or whatever so say for us they would say you are pre-approved for a five hundred thousand dollar loan right mm-hmm. really we probably want to stay under jumbo which i think is 488 because then you're into kind of some weirdness. So let's say you're approved for $488,000 loan, 20% down, whatever, purchase price 600000 right? Mm-hmm. You could get a letter that just says that. Mm-hmm. Or what I recommend, and I think I have this later on when we talk about actually making an offer and getting one accepted, is that um, whatever the purchase price of the house is, get a pre-approval letter every time for that price. Because you don't really want the seller to know that you're approved for even a dime more more than that. Right. What's up? So, 28%. Why in the heck is it 28%? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Why is it not 30 or 25? How did they come up with 28%? I don't know. So, the front end, front end ratio is 28 and the back end is 36. And 36 is going to be your total debt to income ratio. 36 even seems I know. Like oddly like... I have no idea. It's just the OCD in me. I don't know. I know. It's the engineer in you. You're like, that makes no sense. Um, it is what it is. Um, and just as a caveat, I think student loans count differently than other kinds of stuff when you're calculating your debt to income ratio. They don't count the whole thing okay. for some Good reason. Maybe because they think you're going to pay it off pretty soon. I don't know. It's going to be wiped clean. Or it's going to be wiped clean, <laughs> depending on who's in office. So number three, uh, contact a real estate agent. So with the ease of internet searches, it's really tempting to forgo a real estate agent. As a buyer, there's really no reason not to have one. Sellers are going to basically pay for those uh, buyer buyer's agent's commission and the seller's agent's commission. So... Additionally, the agent is going to have experience and insights that can help you as you're searching. They're also going to have access to the multiple listing service, which is the MLS. So that's where most listings are. So on this house, actually, Eric, this house was not listed online at all. Mm-hmm. Like Zillow, Redfin, Trulia it wasn't listed, I don't think, in any of those areas. And it was listed on the income section of the MLS. So as a multifamily and I'm pretty sure a lot of potential buyers never saw this place. Maybe that's just what I'm convincing myself to make it seem like we made a good buy. But no, absolutely, I would I would think so. I mean, unless you're looking for that income-producing property. I mean, in our case, we were looking for sort of the hybrid, but 
it would have been ruled out for a bulk of buyers for sure. Yep. So do it. Contact a real estate agent, especially if you're a first time home buyer, because you don't know enough, even if you think you do. <laughs> so number four is to look at homes. This is the fun step. And this is what everybody I think kind of like tries to jump to. They're like, yeah. oh my God, I want to buy a house, right? Lay the, lay the groundwork, right? Get your paperwork together, speak to a lender, contact a real estate agent, and then go look at homes, okay? But no one's going to do that. Everyone's going to start looking at homes before they do any of the other steps. They might contact a real estate agent. I don't think so. I think now I mean, everyone's going to jump on Zillow. That's going to be step number one. I know, but even it, even if you fill in the like contact area for I want to look at this home, it mm. sends you to an agent a, right. to be your buyer's agent. Right. Oh, okay. So are we including physically going and looking in the homes in this step? I think so. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay, so, then yeah. Okay, yeah. You mean like the Googling. Yeah, yeah. true. Okay, I meant physically. So <laughs> work with your agent to create a list of homes you're interested in. Your agent is the one to set up the showings. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> Try to cluster them if possible to make things easier for everyone, right? Your realtor driving you around, whatever. Try to cluster them. Like we're going to go on Wednesday night and Saturday. Don't be like, we're going to see one on Wednesday. We're going to see one on Thursday. We're going to see one on Friday. Friday. Don't do that. Um, sellers typically try to come down on the price when they sell, but be realistic. If you're approved for a $300,000 house, it's probably safe not to look at any listed for four or 500000 Agreed. On the flip side, don't compromise on what you're looking for right away, right? If you're like, I want a three, two, one car garage house, don't look at two twos. Don't look at houses without a garage. Don't look at houses with one bathroom, yeah. right? You don't need to start compromising, especially early on. Yeah, definitely be patient. I guess depending upon your situation, um, if you can afford to be patient. But. Yeah, some people, they've got leases ending and, you know, whatever. Okay, so number five, this is a big one, and this is make an offer. And there's a lot involved with this. If you find a home you like, make an offer on it. Some people that were just looking at our house, they didn't make an offer on it, the house we just sold. Mm-hmm. And they probably should have, don't you think? Absolutely. They had lost out on four homes. Went and saw ours and we're like, meh, I don't know. We already had an offer and they didn't want to put in a competing offer. And I'm like, this is why you're losing houses, right? Like, don't, you know, you see when you're like, make an offer. However, also do not anchor yourself to the list price. So if a home is for sale for 250 and you do not want to pay more than 200, offer 200. Even if for some arbitrary reason you think they're hoping to get 240 or 225 or whatever it is. The seller can always make a counter offer. And in my experience, they pretty much always do. And you never know what the seller will accept. So you can make an offer a couple of ways. One, this is the most nerve wracking way, I think. You can make an offer by submitting an executable contract through your realtor, who another option is they can make a verbal offer. But if you submit a riff, written offer, all the seller has to do is sign the contract and you're in a contract for the home, which was really nerve wracking for me. I know the first time I bought a house, I'm like, that's it? They just sign it? Like... There's no really backing out. Well, you can back out because you don't have to put an escrow, but it's pretty nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Another way, and this is what um, our current realtor usually does, makes a verbal offer for us. So we don't have to go through the hassle of yeah, writing like it up every time. For sure. Yeah, it's a lot easier. I mean, it saves time. It's more efficient. You, you can kind of go through the negotiation process. Yeah. Just, writing this up. Writing yeah. Up, writing counter, this up. counter, counter, counter. Come on. It's yeah. 2020. Like, we can do it by text. <laughs> Um, so let's see. The contract is going to include fillable fields like your loan type. That's a reason you want to talk to a lender so you know what loan type you're going for. The close date, also something you want to make sure that your lender has enough time to process your file. 
your earnest money amount, and any other miscellaneous items. So earnest money, that's the contract, the money you put down within, I think, three days, which I have as another step. But within three days of um, executing the contract, you have to put a little bit of money into an account which says, I am serious. I'm so serious. I'm going to put this money somewhat at risk. Um, there's other miscellaneous things on a contract. Um, if you know, you're from different States, hit me up, let me know what they are. I've only ever lived or made an offer in Florida. So in Florida, the washer and dryer, for example, are not automatically included. So if you want those, you have to write those on the contract. So it's just helpful to know these little things. Um, the contract is also going to contain, pa- contain pages and pages of other e- legalese that you should review with your agent, um, and an attorney if you're not using the standard contract. Um, if you're getting financing, make sure you include an appraisal contingency as well. You can usually get out of it because you can say, well, now I'm not approved for financing, but it's still just covering your butt to do an appraisal contingency as well. So note that in addition to your down payment, you're going to be responsible for closing costs that are usually about 3% of your loan amount. Um, on our most recent offer, that's this house, we asked for and received closing cost assistance of $5,000. If you don't have the cash or if you're like us and simply wanted to hold on to as much of it as possible, offer a higher purchase price with closing cost assistance. So for example, let's use the $200,000 example from before. Let's say you could offer $207,000 with 3, 3% in closing cost assistance. That means you're basically offering $200,790, right? Alternatively, you could offer $205,000 with $5,000 in closing cost assistance, which is like offering $200,000. Note that the house does have to appraise for the contract price. Um, Don't be afraid to get creative. One real estate book I read said to offer an odd number like $201,100 just to make your offer stand out and make them think you had some high-level analysis that went into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many variables when it comes to making an offer. Just try to get as much insight as possible from your real estate agent to determine what the potential seller could value. Is it financing? Is it total purchase price? Is it this? Is it that? Mm -hmm. Is it a quick close? Mm -hmm. Is it a lot in escrow? What do they value? And use that to your advantage. Yeah, good point. And since you mentioned escrow, there's other ways that you can get creative with escrow. Part of it can be non-refundable. You can have... For the record, we don't recommend I don't recommend. (laughs) Speaking from experience. (laughs) Um, Also, you can can offer to put up more escrow right at the end of the inspection period. That Mm -hmm. was something that at one point we were under contract for that on this house. That went away the second time or the third or the fourth. I'm not sure. Um, But there's a lot of things that you can do. So don't be afraid to get creative, um, you know. Have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. You can strengthen your offer without offering more money. Yeah. Just think of it that way. Good point. Excellent point. Right? Like um, most people are going to value a 20% conventional loan over an FHA loan. Absolutely. They're just going There's to. There's more barriers to closing a deal when you're dealing with an FHA loan. Right. So. Right. Um, number six. You want to do this one? It's easy. Yeah, yeah. I'll take this one. <laughs> Get an accepted offer. Be patient. Eventually, one of your offers will be accepted. Yep. And then what do you do? Celebrate? No. Prematurely. Way premature. (laughs) (laughs) Again, speaking from experience. (laughs) Yes. Don't celebrate after your accepted offer. You are miles and miles away from okay but for this to be for this to be the only house that you've ever like financed this was a nightmare there's a blog realadultingseasy.com look at it it was ridiculous for the people that just bought the house that we sold to move into this one, it was relatively smooth. I mean, it was smooth. It was very smooth. I don't even know relative. It was 
Well, what happened? They did negotiate after the inspection period. Oh well. So that did happen. Yeah. I gave him a thousand bucks. But anyways, okay. <laughs> Number seven, fill out a loan application and submit your paperwork. So, and by the way, this is generally sequential, but you know some of these can be done in a little bit different order. Um, a loan application is going to include personal information, previous employment history, current employment, income, current housing, net worth, and a lot more. It's also going to give your lender the go-ahead to actually pull a hard pull on your credit. And it needs to be completed within five days of signing the contract. Um, at this point, the lender will request supporting documentation from you, which are a lot of those ones I mentioned in uh, number one, maybe some more. Um don't wait five days just like when you're under contract like go ahead and fill out the loan application make everything easy for you time is of the essence once you're under contract um the next one is to submit escrow and it's usually about one percent of the purchase price it's due within three days and this money is going to sit in an account you can get it back for almost any reason unless the sellers are douches um during the inspection period you're that's pr pretty much safe um, after that, if you try to drop the contract, the seller has the right to keep your escrow. Um, doo -doo -doo, I'm looking at my notes. If you don't put an escrow, by the way, if you get an accepted contract and you don't put an escrow, the contract is void. Um, the next one, speak with an insurance agent or two or three. Depending upon the property, yeah. Uh, no, just always talk to more than one. But yeah, <laughs> if, you're in a, if you're in a 1901 home on a crawl space with two vacation rentals in the back, I highly recommend talking to more than one person. Um, so as soon as you're under contract, talk to an insurance agent. If you're financing, which we're assuming you are, you're going to have to have insurance on it. Um, most properties are very easy to quote, right? Some, like the aforementioned, take a little longer and they're a little more difficult. So you want to make sure you get the best coverage for the best price. So get ahead by shopping early. And you're going to need to refine this, um, this quote as you gain more information. Um, but definitely get the process started literally as soon as you put your escrow in. And then to close, you need a, a binder, is that right? Yeah, yeah, you have to have a binder. Okay. It just says, as of such and such date, we have insurable interest in the property. Gotcha. And then it closes. Okay. Um, number 10, want to do that one? Sign disclosures. So your lender is going to send you disclosures periodically. Check to make sure that the numbers are correct. Income, assets, purchase price, etc. Sign and return these to the agent. I pretty much always check the numbers for us. Yeah, I don't get involved in the details. Poor Eric. He would have no idea if I was just completely running away with our finances. I trust you. <laughs> no, but you, you do a lot, too. We just have we have different things that we do. Um, so we're halfway there, folks. Take a deep breath. I'm going to take a sip of wine. This would, be a, this would be a great place for ads if we had them. Well, okay. You advertise something. I'm not advertising anything. I'm not getting paid. <laughs> We could talk about the wine we're drinking, but they should pay us too. Um, okay, deep breath. All right, number 11, this is inspections. So at this point, what we've gone through, we did kind of our, our, our pre-work. We looked at house. We, we got an offer approved. We've done kind of the immediate post-offer stuff. Escrow, sign disclosures, get an insurance agent. Now we've got to inspect that property that you're under contract on. Normal, I think... I think the normal inspection period is 15 days on the far bar. The normal Florida contract might be 10. Again, this is going to be a fillable field on your contract, but it's going to be usually 7 to 15 days. If you're totally wild, you can make it shorter, but I don't recommend it. 
Um, you should have a professional inspector inspect the home and give your report pretty early in their inspection period. Depending on what he or she finds, you may want to have additional inspections or get quotes to get those things fixed. Mm -hmm. So on this house, we had a regular inspection, termite inspection, and then actually got a week extension of the inspection period to get a structural inspection. Right. Right. So, I mean, that just strengthens the point. You, you really want to get your primary home inspection done as quickly as possible so that you have plenty of time um, for your follow-up inspections. You also want to have a good inspector. You definitely do. I mean, they, we've worked with a couple inspectors, and I think they've both been good. We um, prefer one over the other, but, you know, it's they're both we're pretty good. Yeah. Um, this is another one of those items where you can use it in your negotiating as you mm -hmm. know, to strengthen a contract without adding additional, you know, to the purchase price of the home. Uh, typically, a shorter inspection period means a quicker close, which could be desirable to a seller. Right. Um, inspections do cost money. Um, it's worth every penny to know what you're buying. There's no way around it. Don't ever skimp on the inspection. I just... Oh, our extension saved us $25,000. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so you were talking, this is the direction I thought you were going to go when you were talking about negotiating with an inspection, right? Yes, so two equal offers. One, say it's both 20% conventional, one is a 15-day inspection, one is seven. I'm going with the seven. Of course. Right? Of course. If you're the buyer, you want to do the 15, especially if you're us because we're neurotic. But... Um, but yeah, so there's that part of the negotiating with the inspection, but there's also the renegotiating that can occur after the inspection. And should occur quite Should, quickly. yes. This is number 12. So get quotes and renegotiate. I put it as optional, but I mean, how lazy are you, right? You're buying a house, right? Get some quotes and renegotiate. So sometimes... You won't receive it unless you ask. And yeah. they're not going to say, you asked for some some credit or you asked for this or that. I'm dropping it. We're done. We're, no, we're we're taking the property off the table. We're not selling it to you. That will never happen. I also don't know if they can do that, technically. Yeah. What's the worst thing to say? No. Sorry. We're not going to yeah, give you that yeah. credit. We're not going to take any price off the house. Yeah. I mean, Sometimes I would assume inspections come back clean. That has not happened to me. I've sold two homes. I've bought. There's always something. I've bought one, two, three, four. Right. There's always something. Inspectors take pride in finding things wrong with homes. And it's if your inspector doesn't, find a new inspector. Because they <laughs> love to find stuff wrong with the home. If your inspector tells you, by the way, you got to get a house, you got to get a house. Yeah, for sure. Or you our have a very bad inspector. Our inspector on this one was like, whoa, I took 300 pictures. Yeah. It was, and we still bought it. Yeah, I don't think he would have recommended it. But it's a nice, you know, one home. What are you going to do? There's, you know. Well, we're redoing part a lot of it. It's like, okay, anything you found in the kitchen, not relevant. The roof, not relevant. We're doing all that. Right. Um, but this is not about us. <laughs> or is it? Okay. So sometimes inspections can come back clean. Other times they're going to unearth some serious problems. So mostly what I'll say is they're somewhere in between. So use the inspection period to get professionals out to give you estimates for repairs after you get the inspection report. Let's say they find something with the electrical or the plumbing. Get an electrician. Get the plumbing out there. Assuming the seller will give you access to the property. Or you can even call them and be like, hey, about how much is that? Right? How long do you think this would take? What's your what? What do you pay for your time? Whatever it is, um, insurance providers are going to look at four main parts of the home. It's called the four point. It's roof, AC, HVAC, I should say, because heating matters in some parts of this country. <laughs> Plumbing and electrical. 
Um, if there are items, there are items that are broken out then on the four point report, which your inspector gives to you, and you are then going to turn that over to your insurance agent. So because of that, these are the areas of the home that are going to influence the insurability and insurance premiums. So most sellers will agree to fix these items or will agree to lower the sales price for the amount that the um, repairs will cost the buyer. The buyer. So we recently on this house, like you said, Eric, renegotiated um, de by decreasing the price by the new roof and then the structure, mm -hmm. right? So I think you might've missed a step. Oh, let me You know. missed step 11.5, okay. which is opt out. Of course, yeah. Opt out. This I mean, is assuming it, you're buying the place. If, if you inspect and it's just blows your mind and you're like, well, what are we looking at here? You can opt out. You can you can use this. I mean, an inspection period is your time to say, for any reason, I no longer wish to purchase this home. I'm backing out of the contract. Yeah, and you don't have to give a reason. You don't. No, your inspection period, you, you can opt out for any reason. Any reason. Say you lost your job. All right. Well, you probably wouldn't be able to close anyway, but you could opt out at that point. Yes, at that point, you wouldn't get your financing, so you'd probably be covered. Mike, get your escrow back, too. <laughs> um, so one example that helped me in the inspection period of my first house was the seller. Um, so we, negoti we negotiated here to decrease the purchase price by the cost of a new roof. And we did the new roof ourselves. My first house, I'm 22. I don't have any freaking money. It's 2012, great recession. They said they would put a new roof on as part of the contract. And they even let me like pick out the, shin the shingle color, mm -hmm. right? Which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So that's something else that you can do. Don't be afraid. Really, do not be afraid to ask. Do not be afraid to ask. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been on the selling side. They love you. They want you to buy their house so bad. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, we've definitely been on both sides. We've been on the side of falling in love with the house, too. And it's it's hard to kind of separate those two items. And, yeah, and try not to get emotional. <laughs> yeah, try not to get emotional. But I guess after you, the inspection period's over and you renegotiate and whatever, then you can get emotional about it. Get attached after that. Try not to get attached before that. Um, okay, next one. Order the appraisal. So the people that just bought our last house, they or the appraisal happened the day before the inspection, which I thought was weird, personally. Not how I would do it. I would do the inspection first. I mean, what if the inspection found like 14 sinkholes or something? Like, what you would have wasted money on the appraisal, but whatever. So once you order the appraisal... Um, well, remember, they didn't have an appraisal from NUC. So they had to get that appraisal... Before their inspection yeah, period true. Up. true. Why they didn't do an appraisal contingency, okay, I have no idea. But you can, a lender will typically write a note that says, now they don't have their financing because it didn't appraise. Uh, and then they don't meet the financing contingency. I see. I see. Okay. But yeah, I mean, do the appraisal contingency as a CYA, but you do not, you don't really have to. Contact a lawyer. Talk to them about that. <laughs> I don't know anything about anything. All right. So once you make it through the inspection period, order the appraisal. An appraiser is going to compare the home you're buying to around like three to five other sales in the area that are similar to what you're buying, okay? The reason the appraisal is important is that your lender is gonna finance the appraisal price less your down payment, right? Or the purchase price less your down payment, whichever is lower, okay? So if a house appraises for less than the purchase price, they're gonna do that minus your down payment, they're going to finance that, and then you have to come up with the difference, okay? This protects the lender in case of a default, right? Because then in that case, they're going to foreclose and they are going to ultimately own the home, right? Yep. 
another opportunity to renegotiate if your appraisal <sighs> doesn't come back. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what happens when your house doesn't appraise? In our case, we in that order case, a new appraisal and yeah, we get it to appraise for more than the purchase price. True. But when that first happens, you drink and it's not champagne. Let me tell you that. If, you're, if the house you're under contract what on. What is it? Well, for me, it's red wine. <laughs> for some people, it's probably the hard stuff, but I quit that long ago. But yeah, so if the house doesn't appraise, it's not a good thing. That's typically the end of it. Well, uh, well, well, it's it okay. may or may not be a good okay, thing. Okay, okay. I, I, you know, Eric some people it. view it differently. Eric's I think it's a fine it. thing because you've already valued the house for what it's worth for you personally. You talk to your real estate agent. You guys agree the house is worth X amount. And some appraiser comes along. I don't think the real estate agent always agrees. Well, whatever. (laughs) It's your opportunity to get get the house cheaper. It could be a good thing. It It could be. It could well be a good thing. It can be. Um, The downside is you might have been like super wrong about what the house is worth. You you just don't know. Um, In the case of this house, it didn't appraise. It appraised for $40,000 less than we were under contract for. And this is 285 purchase price. So that's a huge percentage. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was so, oh my God, I was so mad. First of all, the appraiser left out what I thought was a very amazing comp that would have helped us a lot. But this is a unique property. I mean, how it do you is. value, I mean, we value it so differently than anyone else Yeah. Would. Yes, this property, um, again, there's blogs about this. We've talked about it ad nauseum. But in case you don't know, 1901 bed and breakfast, two rental cottages in the back. Very weird. Um, very weird to value. We ended up contesting that appraisal getting a second appraisal and that second appraisal was $55,000 higher than the first one, mm-hmm. which if we're doing the math, that's $15,000 above what our purchase price was quite a swing. Nobody had seen anything like it before, <laughs> but who's keeping score? Our lenders were just amazed that we did that. So was our realtor. Um, okay. So that's it about appraisals, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Number 14, submit additional information to your lender. (laughs) My experience tells me that lenders are going to need more information while you're under contract. They may ask for additional account statements. They may ask if you're selling your current home or not. They may ask your boss when your next raise is. They may may ask ask your boss that three or four times. They may ask why you transferred $10,000 from your checking to your savings last month. They may ask why you're moving into a multifamily property from a single family one. They may ask why you opened a credit card 60 days ago. Just know that whatever they ask for up to up front, probably not all the information they're going to need. And yes, these are all actual examples of things that have happened to us. And for some reason, telling them you opened a credit card to buy things is not a detailed enough <laughs> answer. Learn from me. <laughs> oh, she hated what me. What credit card did we open up? That was the raise card. It was 60 days or so before we bought the, or I bought uh, the other house. Uh, Okay, yep, 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 yep. That wasn't this house. No. Uh, yeah, no, my boss was like, what What? What are you guys buying? What is going on here? They, they reached out to him like but didn't two he or give, three times. didn't he give you a raise? He didn't give me a raise. I think he might have given me a raise because of that. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, I'll give him a raise. He was like, oh, man, it's been a little while. He's due for a raise. No. So it worked out sometimes, you know. know. I, I don't know what my company did. I just started here, so I didn't ask him, but... Um, okay, number 15, finalize your insurance. So we talked already about insurance. You should be having people getting quotes and things like that. You should be understanding what your payment's going to be, all of that. Um, approximately a week prior to closing, your lender is going to need to speak to your insurance agent. So if you've been talking to multiple, know which one you're going to go with. Provide them the um, contact information at that point. 
Um, the agent is going to tell the lender how much money you need to pay towards your insurance premium every month. This is going to go into your escrow account um, and the insurance agent will bind your policy and you'll get a policy number and that's what you need to close on the place. So the lender um, needs to know that the property is insured the day that you close. Again, so the lender is giving you a loan and the collateral is your property. If your property gets destroyed by a hurricane the day after you close on it, they need to know that it's insured so that uh, you can make the basically make the um, the insurance claim, right? And then, you know, they know that they still have collateral in the game. Um, so note on this on our house here, we binded the property too early. We were allowed to unbind it because we technically didn't have insurable interest in the property. I don't recommend it, though. It's not the easiest thing in the world to unbind it, but it is possible. So make sure you're going to close pretty much. So I that's when it didn't appraise. Right. I'm not really sure where this plays into the steps. Maybe it's 21 or, or after the steps of buying a home, but you might have some things identified in your inspection or by your insurance agent that need to be remedied in order to long-term secure insurance. Sure. Which we had a couple of those items in this house. Right. Well, the, the biggest one was it's not that we needed it to be insured long-term. It was we're excluding your roof completely from coverage right. in the in hurricane season in Florida. And we had a hurricane pointed directly towards us, which for the record is good when it's like three days out. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're definitely not getting hit by the hurricane. If it's perfectly within the cone of destruction three days out, you're you're, you're, you're fine. probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. So our our roof wasn't was completely excluded. We finished it right before that. We have insurance on it now. Um, the insurance company must have recently reviewed the four point or the inspection report or whatever it was. And I guess it would be the four point because that's what they would have. And we had to get rid. There was a there was a trailer in the back of this place we had to get rid of. And there's like a porch to nowhere we have to get rid of. Yeah, it's like a two foot wide porch. 1901 homes, people. So we have to get rid of those or they're going to drop our liability. Yeah. But we are insured on those right now. Right. Right. Not so like the roof, that, which that was completely excluded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's just something that's kind of, that just happens after. Sometimes like, hey, you need to do this in the next 30 days. Right. Um, okay. Next, you're going to receive the appraisal report. Um, if the house doesn't appraise for the purchase price, there's a problem. Um, for example, let's say you have an accepted offer for $360,000 and the house appraises for $357,000. This is an actual example from a friend of mine. Um, if this happens, you're going to need to renegotiate the price with the buyer, contest the appraisal, come up with the, with the difference or a combination of these. So this house, it appraised for lower than the context price, and we chose to uh, contest the appraiser. So, and then it appraised after that. In the case, in that example that I specifically just mentioned, purchase price 360, appraisal price 357. Can you imagine that appraiser? Yeah, I mean... Just make the deal happen at that yeah, point. Just, I don't know. Oh my God. Can you imagine being married to that person? But anyways, <laughs> so in that case, the realtor, the lender, and the buyer all came up with $1,000 and covered the difference. They for, didn't renegotiate. I would have renegotiated that price. For the record, I think it's messed up that the appraiser knows the purchase price of the home. How The purchase price of the home shouldn't influence the value of the home. The fact that that's a thing is BS. I know that bothers I, me. That, that's ridiculous. Come on. You used to be able to pick your appraiser. Back in like, you know, when there was a whole housing bubble and everything. But now who picks your appraiser? 
The lender? The lender. Except no, that's equally messed up. The lender the lender fired the appraisal company that ruined our appraisal. But, but the lender even shouldn't pick the appraisal uh the Who appraisal who should? I think it should be a random like rotation. You get on the approved list of appraisers and you get one assigned to you. There should be zero influence in an appraisal. And again, the purchase price of the home is the number one skewer and influencer of the appraisal yeah, price. Because it's, it, it's ridiculous. It off, makes no sense. Yeah, usually, the lot, not this time, because this house, the appraisal value ended up, like we said, being $15,000 over purchase price. The first two houses I bought, the appraisal price, we didn't get an appraisal on the duplex. The first two houses I bought, the appraisal value ended up being the exact purchase price. And your point is, there's no way that probably would have happened it's perceived if they didn't value. know it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it, what is the house worth? Listen, the house wouldn't. I'm just afraid we're not gonna be able to pick our inspector at some point. It's gonna be a random inspector. Mm, for the the, I think the insurance company should provide their own inspector. That's what I think. You as the buyer, you're inspecting for your agenda your reason you want to understand what's wrong with the home for your interest in purchasing the home the fact that we have to provide that to the insurance agents agent is a little bit odd to me the but they're like agent, certified or whatever why well, okay fine but like the insurance company should be you know put their own inspector out if, if that's i know and the insurance be. inspectors that come out at, like you're talking about step 21 or whatever afterwards they don't do like anything I mean, we they'll, don't like, know they'll like come out and like take a picture of the electric box. Well, that's because they've received the original right. inspection report and they know what they're looking for. They're like, okay, yeah, that matches the conditions we saw in the report. Here's a picture. So I get paid today. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I get my mileage reimbursed. All right, that was a long-winded receive the appraisal step, but... <laughs> that shouldn't be a, a difficult step, honestly. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't be, but sometimes it is. All right, the next one, sign the final clo um, closing disclosures. A few days before, I think it's like 72 hours before, your lender is required to send you the closing disclosures, which include the purchase price, loan amount, interest rate, payment amount, closing costs, and amount um, owed by the buyer, amount owed to the seller, and more. These numbers are going to be very, very close to the final ones you're going to sign when you close. Um, you need to check that information and sign it. I believe that's something new since the housing crash. I don't think you used to have to have all that stuff beforehand. Mm. Yeah, I thought you were going to say a few days before closing, start exercising the fingers. Because <laughs> never in your life have you signed your name as many times as when you... Yeah, I know. So I just I just was on the selling side. You sound like three things. I was so prepared to... I was there like 10 minutes. Uh, how, many, how many times do you think you signed your name buying a home? I'm 20. Uh, 30? Maybe more. It's, it's weird. Just make sure you're prepared for that. Cause it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you know where your name is. You know, if you change your name recently, it's important. Oh, yeah, that was an issue, wasn't it? I know. I started signing Almond when I was selling. It's not. It was my main name. Weird. No. All right, so next thing. This is a little-known step, I think. You need to then change the utilities to your name. So once you sign the closing disclosures, you're clear to close... Um, the seller's clear to sell, inspections are done, you're approved for the loan, you're basically waiting to head to the title company or lawyer's office or whatever it is, change the utilities to your name. So if you want to have utilities when you close, you need to get them put in your name prior to closing, okay? The buyer is going to have them shut off that day or the following day. Technically, I think the buy the seller, I'm sorry, the seller, technically, I think the seller is supposed to have the utilities on for your walkthrough. So that would be the day of closing. So usually it's the following day. The house I just sold, I cut them off the, the day we closed because that's when the buyer started them. So, mm. 
Um, next up, schedule movers. Um, if you have to put up a deposit down to schedule movers, it's safe to wait until after the appraisal, in my opinion, <laughs> and final disclosures come through. Um, it's safest to wait really until you actually close. Um, the same goes for repairs, and that's the last step here. Schedule your repairs. You may have received some quotes for repairs during the inspection period that you need to act on. Recently on this house, we were set to close, lined up a tree trimmer, contractor, blah, blah, blah. Didn't close because of the appraisal and then all this other craziness. And so just pump the brakes a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so as you can see, uh, buying a home can be an overwhelming process. There's a lot to it. However, it's going to be worth it. Just take the process day by day. While it's important to understand the big picture of all these 20 steps, even though Eric added like 11A and number 21, you'll realistically need to complete on average less than one of these steps per day. All right. And after 30 or so days, you're going to be a homeowner. It's going to be worth it. Um, correction. It was 11.5. Okay. Not 11A. We don't want to confuse the listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because they're clear. They're, everything's like clear as mud to them right now. <laughs> Um, so, uh, that's what I prepared today. Managing money, huge part of adulting. And that often includes buying a home. So I usually ask Jenny, did you learn something today? Did you, Eric? Yeah. I, I learned that these percentages, they seem arbitrary <laughs> to me. I just don't know why we can't just round them from 28 to 30 or, or 25. Kind of bothers Well, me. 25, that would screw a lot of people out of a house probably. Uh, yeah, but it would make me sleep better at night. I don't know. No, but I mean, I don't know. We, we learned so much and, and going through this most recent home buying process. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, the best way to learn is to do. And um, I, I guarantee you going through these steps and purchasing a home, you'll learn a lot. And I would just suggest try to have fun, but also pay attention to what you're doing. Because yeah. you could uh, get in trouble. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. It's easy to get overwhelmed. Um if you want to learn more, there's tons of resources out there, but this particular blog, Steps in the Home Buying Process, was posted in May 2020 at realadultingiseasy.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at adultingiseasy. We're also on Facebook. You can email us at realadultingiseasy at gmail.com. You can show support financially at patreon.com slash adultingiseasy. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Hopefully, we've made adulting a little easier for you. Happy house hunting. <laughs>